0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, There are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now, there's one in Buckhead, there's one in Chambly, there's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh they're like family. So um go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American chicken tender, just to brag on them a little bit more. They were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta Award winner, uh, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner, just they won all the awards because Ponko is great and Ponko is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out ChaseMossPodcast It's where all of my episodes, to all of my podcasts, are. All of my writing. That I do. Um, more information on me and who I am, um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that. Today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go.
1: Chase Thomas Podcast the Chase Thomas Podcast. Um (laughs) my nephew needs me
0: to record. See, I
1: hate I already hate it. I hate it.
0: All right. It's Monday night, no Monday night football, no Booger McFarlane talking about things, no Joe Tessator. It's a beautiful night. The Hawks are gonna win a basketball game. In Orlando, Markel Fultz, still not good at basketball, uh, but we're not going to talk about any of that right now. No, we're going to talk about Evan Sowards and how he has no voice because he uh, he lost his mind at a 49ers bar yesterday in LA.
1: What's going on? You know, I will say, uh, my voice is coming back. It's a, it's a little a little mended after last night, but I wish I, wish I could paint uh, a beautiful picture to all you podcast listeners. Uh, to the game I got to watch yesterday. I'm sure everyone in the world watched it, but I myself got to watch it at one of the biggest 49ers bars on the West Coast. Uh, it's a bar called, in Los Angeles called San Francisco Saloon. Mm. So dope. There's a huge mural of the entire backside of the bar, which is outside like on the corner of a street that's just got like you know the Bay Bridge, the, the Golden Gate Bridge, all the above. It's just a... Everything's red, everything's gold. It's been around for decades, apparently. And it's just absolutely nuts. So got to watch it with like probably 49 ers fans. I think there might have been maybe one or two Seahawks fans in the entire bar. Uh, there was a, a little girl that might have been like three years old, four years old. So I don't think oh, she no. she, can't, she counts. Um, I don't know. Me and her caught eyes, though. I was like, swear up. <laughs> Square up. I will fight this baby. It's, you know, game day rivalries. I don't joke around. But... Mm. Well,
0: yeah, I'm glad other... you didn't actually fight a baby yesterday.
1: Hey, I, I could have taken her. But yeah, you... no. Other, <laughs> other than that, I... Man, what a game. Tell me... I'm so curious. And thank you, as always, for bringing me on. What was that game to you from an outsider looking in? Because for me, obviously, there's so much that goes into that. And we'll get there. But for you... What did you see yesterday?
0: I I love that the 49ers shut out the Seahawks in the first half because I think the way people have looked at the 49ers – versus the Seahawks all year and just the, the amount of coverage towards the Seahawks. And there's been so much skepticism about the 49ers and because it's all new. And I think so many people thought that they were not, just not going to be very good this year, that it just took them way too long to buy in. And it's just like the evidence has just been there all year that the 49ers are a much better football team than the Seattle Seahawks. And it just, it's, I mean, we've talked about in this podcast, it's just always rubbing the wrong way. I was texting about this where it's like the amount of coverage of marshawn lynch's signing this week this past week was just insane to me because it's like he's a non-factor he doesn't matter um in this game and they're gonna be playing from behind the 49ers are gonna score the seahawks do not have the same defense they used to have they're beat up um the 49ers actually have the kind of defense that the legion of boom had a couple years ago not to that insane extent because that's maybe the best defensive run of all time but it's the same type of just unbelievable pass rush great linebackers um and then great corners and just pretty solid safety so it's just they're who we thought they were um so i'm just glad that we were vindicated and uh turns out marshawn lynch did not change the trajectory of this game because he went for 12 for 34 for 2.8 yards per carry so there you go great great stuff i'm glad we spent so much time worrying about who the seahawks are going to hand the ball off to when they were down 13 to nothing after the first half
1: yeah um God, I have so many thoughts. And by all means, if, if you have anything you're curious about, definitely let me know. Um, but I I I I know I knew that they had the 49ers had a better team going into yesterday. Uh, I knew they would be obviously missing their starting center. Um, you know, their their line is pretty disheveled other than their left and right tackle. Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley obviously played and they played well. Um, their interior guards and their center has been kind of mix and match. Um, so, you know, I was curious about how that was going to happen. I didn't think Marshawn was going to do much more than what he did. Um, you know, that was for him to score a touchdown. I, I was more worried about just the momentum than anything. Cause you know, you know, when Marshawn Lynch scored that touchdown, that stadium went nuts. I don't know about you, but like I was listening into a bar with really good audio and you could hear the crowd. It was really aggressive. So um, when the game started, you know, it, it basically everything started to happen exactly as I personally thought it would happen. Yeah. I'm going, OK, we have George Kittle. We have Emmanuel Sanders. And Debo has taken a very big step since the last time they played. Like that was his first real, you know, breakout game is when he played Seattle. But he has had a couple good games. But he, you know, really cemented himself after that.
0: Now he's so, like, fuck it. I'm going to be a running back too.
1: Right. But that's the thing is, and, and that's the thing that we love about him is you, it, he can do anything. He can do screen passes. You literally can hand the ball off to him. You know, you can do dump offs and you can, you know, throw different routes. He can do a lot of, you know, all of that route tree that you expect from a wide receiver, he can do. Um, so, you know, when the 49ers started off and, you know, They score a touchdown, they go back, and they almost score another touchdown, but they get the field goal. And then they almost score another touchdown, they get the field goal. Uh, Those offensive points were pretty awesome. But as a 49ers fan, like you talked about, I was on the other side of the spectrum. I was like, holy shit, like, you know, they haven't scored yet. And that was the thing that you're worried about. When you go into CenturyLink— When you talk about the history, when you talk about the Seahawks versus the 49ers, the 49ers not winning a game in Seattle since 2011, right? Like the one thing you're worried about is what what do we worry about when you think about the Seahawks? And that's their offense, right? So I was worried they would score early and then they might score again. And then the next thing you know, we'd be losing our mind. Uh, It gets loud. You know, stadium goes nuts. But so – Going into the half, I was like, okay, this is what we thought. The game's over. This team is just outclassed. They have so many injuries that are, you know, I think the 49ers have a bunch of injuries, but their depth is much, much better than the Seahawks. So, you know, it's not as big of a crutch as it was for the Seahawks. Um, But really, after that half, you know, I don't know if you were like really digging in when you were watching it, but. They they did the same thing over and over again, and it was driving me insane from a defensive standpoint. Robert Sala, who's being talked about as a guy that's potentially gonna be getting head coaching interviews, he's already getting going to be interviewed by the Cleveland Browns during the bye week. He kept sending his edge rushers on this on the side right, and every single time they would be double teamed. Naturally, you know, you're gonna double team Ford. So then he would you'd have the pocket crash in the middle. Obviously, you know, Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. That's just something that they're very capable of doing. And every time that it would crash in the middle, Russell Wilson would roll out and throw the ball or you know run for a couple of yards. And it just happened every single play and it never stopped. And you didn't see you know, someone spy Russell Wilson. You didn't see the linebackers playing closer in so that they can contain more because I don't know if like Robert was just like, I don't want him to throw the deep pass. So let's just keep, you know, keep it short. But they did nothing, nothing at all throughout the entire 60 minutes to stop Russell Wilson from doing the one thing that he's good at. After like watching that game last night, I wish I could play it over again and just be like, let him sit in the pocket. See what he can do. Like, is he a better passer in the pocket than on the run? Because I don't know. I honestly think he might be better on the run. He's that good. So I don't want to finish all the way through the game. We've got a little little time to talk. What are your initial thoughts on kind of what I was saying?
0: I think that's fair. I I think he is better on the run, but I think Russell Wilson's also like one of the best quarterbacks from a clean pocket in the NFL. And I I liked I just—it's one of those things where it's the Brian Schottenheimer offense, right? Where he just digs them into a hole. This is an offense that's only built to play from ahead, and then when they play from behind, they just go a little too much. Where it's just like, oh, Russell Wilson's got to either throw forty times or like twelve times. Like they would—they would prefer Russell Wilson is not having to do much for them to win football games. They'd rather just bit uh, just kind of destroy their opposing team up front and dominate the line scrimmage and all that kind of stuff. But that's just not possible. And it's just kind of an archaic way of going about your team building. I, I don't know. I I love that it came down to another crazy at the goal line, just (laughs) zigzag play that uh, did not go in the Seahawks favor. Once again, Um, I don't, I don't know. What did you think? We have to talk about the calls at some point on this podcast. Do you think because I don't think that was pass interference at all. Um, Tony Dungy was on Twitter, uh, very mad online, thought it was pass interference. Um, I'm going to read this to you. And Richard Sherman, our guy, Richard Sherman. Uh, yeah, I know best. what
1: Sherman's. I know what Sherman said. So you go tell me the Dungy thing, and i and I'll tell you what was said about Sherman because I know that one very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tony Dungy still shaking my head at non pass interference call in the last minute of the 49ers Seahawks game. NFL office put us through a season of inconsistent reversals, but this is what the rule was sp- supposed to fix. miscall that impacted playoff spots of four teams. Why have review? And then Sherman says, so now you want to allow the wide receiver to initiate contact, push off from the defender and get the pass interference. Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: So let's break it down. Here's my biggest thing here. I mean, I have so many issues with Twitter when it comes to sports, uh my biggest problem with Twitter at you know in general is they're so quick to take screenshots they're so quick to act like they know what they're talking about right so and it's the same thing as like you know the fake news if you want like the real fake news, not that Donald Trump bullshit excuse me um but like you'll see something get out into the internet, like whether a photo a video or something, and it's misinterpreted and then it spreads like wildfire so The first thing that they do is they show a screenshot photo of our linebacker, Fred Warner, with his arm around their tight end, Jacob Hollister. So when you see this photo, you're like, what the fuck? That's blatant P.I. How is that not called? Right? And then that happens a million times. you got Tony Dungy posting that photo, people all over the internet. uh, I mean like – Literally, like prominent members of the media going nuts, and then I actually had the same thing that Richard said, but obviously, he was in the game, so he saw it better than I did. But when you look at the video, their tight end literally head down runs and pushes his arm in like he's blocking into our linebacker, so he literally bull rushes him. He doesn't try and make a play or get away, he doesn't try and you know, cut and get away from uh, our linebacker. Nothing. He doesn't make a play on a ball. Nothing. He runs straight into him, pushes him. And then like, essentially it's, it's like, it's as if his, he was trying to get a PI. Like his, his route was go get a PI so we can run yep. the ball in with Lynch. But so, yeah. And then the big thing is they go, well, why didn't they review it? <laughs> <laughs> So New York is where they do all the official rulings uh, or reviews via video, right? That was the rule change that they made, I believe, two years ago. They come out with a statement. They're like, we did review it. We did it in a very short amount of time. It didn't take long. We watched the video. It wasn't pass interference. Sorry. So you've got all these people that are convinced it's pass interference because of a screenshot. No one's actually looking at the video. I don't know how it got to be as big of a deal as it is, but I think it's just because the nature of what happened with the saints and the rule change and the Seahawks in general, having a crazy fan base. But that video is so blatant. It's tight end running into linebacker, pushing him. And then the linebacker kind of using his body to try and get like, you know, guard him and his arm gets around. Never was PI didn't look like PI shouldn't have been mistaken for PI anything. And you know, here's the homer in me. The 49ers got held. And I mean, go back and watch the tape. You can go to YouTube, they have like a 12-minute uh, you know game overview of, of every single play that happened. They got held, Nick Bosa got held, DeForest Buckner got held every single play. And I wasn't complaining, I was just like, okay, big game. Everyone's watching. I'm sure they're saying, hey, play the calls, you know, if you're a ref. Let the let the let the players play. Let football be football. Call the plays that are egregious. I thought that was what was happening. What are your thoughts?
0: I think, it, yeah, I I I one hundred percent agree with you. I and just look, what if is you go Tony back and doing? watch it, I think a lot of people just and I agree with your broader point of just like the Twitter reaction where you just see a screen grab and all that kind of stuff, and you just you miss the context, and that's why. Um, I definitely stay off Twitter during games and things like that, but, um, you go back and watch it in the morning and just go and see certain things. And you're just like, no. And also just, that's not, that's a small snapshot of why the Seahawks struggled in this game and why they lost at home. Like that's just a, never put your team in a position to need the refs to bail you out. Um, late in games, you have opportunity after opportunity. Every possession matters. Every throw matters. Everything matters. um, So, I never really like teams who or fan bases that just overreact to calls and things like that. It's like, no, just be better and don't put yourself in a position where you're at the mercy of NFL officials. Um, I don't think it's pass interference. I don't think the Seahawks had a good game plan going in. I think they um, targeted the right guys later on in this game, but I... I don't know. I think that it was just clear that the 49ers were a better team and also they really wanted this game. It just seemed like the 49ers knew like they were looking for respect, right? On the road, they were just like people like were the Seahawks that people think the Seahawks are. Like the way like you and I have been like just been annoyed about this for the past month where it's like what are we missing here? The 49ers are the team that people should be salivating over there's just the Seahawks love and the Russell Wilson for MVP and all that kind of stuff that's fine but like the team as as a whole is not nearly as talented and as interesting and well coached and just as smart as the 49ers this 49ers team is just smart their offense is smarter than Brian Schottenheimer's offense it just is their defense is better their pass rushers better their linebackers are better their secondary is better everything about the 49ers are better and they did it on the road in prime time and it was great and uh you know I I think the right team won and it's it's fine. This is everything happened like it should this weekend, I think.
1: Yeah, you know, the one thing that I will say is this. And I've told you this, I've been on Twitter about it. I think people think because who it's coming from, you know, I I understand maybe not always taking me seriously because I do joke a lot and I like to make things light, but I I I want people to understand I'm not joking. Pete Carroll is not a good coach. And I know that's crazy. Oh god. I'm I'm not going that far. I know. Once again, I know that's crazy as far as what people think. But if you look at the timeline, if you look what some bad coaches have been able to do, your Mike McCarthy's, your Jeff Fisher's, right? Like if you look at the coaches that have been able to succeed at least somewhat for a very long period of time, think about Mike McCarthy. Think about the Super Bowl Mike McCarthy won, right? And how much the Packers struggled. Than that, you go. What is your first thought? Well, they had Aaron Rodgers, right? They had, yeah. you know, they had good offensive weapons back at the time, right? They had Jordy Nelson, they had uh, uh, Randall Cobb, right? Yada yada yada. I need people to really take a look at the fact that Pete Carroll, who left USC because he cheated and got caught, left. Took the job in Seattle. He'd already failed in New England. He gets to Seattle. They have Matt Flynn. They get lucky and take a Hall of Fame cornerback in the third round from Wisconsin. So many teams passed on this quarterback. But they pick him. They also get Richard Sherman in the fifth round. They also get Cam Chancellor. Right, Bobby Wagner comes in eventually. They've got really good pieces there. Um, they have Earl Thomas. Pete Carroll walks into a Hall of Fame defense and a Hall of Fame quarterback. And at the perfect time, they have lights out defense. And Russell Wilson has done what he's done every single year since he came in the league. He makes plays. He keeps you in the game no matter what. And they won a Super Bowl. And ever since then, Pete Garrell has single-handedly fucked up every single thing since then. He got rid of Richard Sherman. He got rid of Earl Thomas. I mean, every time. I mean, they just got expensive. They got
0: expensive. No, no, no. Things change. He still created, maybe, he still is the architect behind the teams. I mean, the league's best defense of all time.
1: I think that he is a very good defensive coach. Yes. Absolutely. But there's more to it than just being a defensive coach. And when you're a very good defensive coach and you're handed a Hall of Fame defense, one of, if not the best defense of all time, and a fucking Hall of Fame quarterback, like how many people screw that up? Seriously. So you look at what happened last night when he takes a delay of game, game penalty on the one-yard line in the most important game of the year. What? How is that physically possible? <laughs> you signed Marshawn Lynch. Like, there's no excuse for that. But that's not it. You look at all of his clock management issues. You look at all of his issues of not going for it on you know, first down or kicking the field goal, losing games. It's happened for years. But the thing is, is they're always in contention because Russell Wilson is that good. How many games does the Seahawks win this year without Russell Wilson? You think they win 11?
0: Uh, No, I think they win closer to four or five.
1: Right. So it's crazy when you hear me say, I think Pete Carroll's a bad coach. I get that. But I mean it. He's not a good coach. He's good at something that's important when it comes to coaching and he's very not good at a lot of important things that are also a part of coaching and you saw that last night i think of um,
0: the bears are without russell wilson this year that's I think, who
1: they are i think that's very i think that's very accurate i think you look at what alex smith did pre greg roman and jim harbaugh i think to me like if pete carroll didn't have a greg roman he would have done the same thing i but my, my point is One last night, obviously, it was probably literally top 10 moments ever, ever. So good. But when you have the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, unstoppable basically all night when it comes to offense. And you couldn't stop them, maybe get a field goal, but they were just really like just tearing you down. And they're on the one-yard line to win the game. And you get a delay of game penalty. That's one of the worst coaching mistakes of the last three decades.
0: It wasn't good. But, um, you know, now the Seahawks are going to have to play all their playoff games on the road. The Vikings will be on the road. Their Kirk Cousins on the road is going to be great. The playoff field is set. The Falcons will not be in it. Even though they they made their uh, epic valiant trick to seven and nine they're uh, retaining the group um that uh, resulted in an amazing amount of sacks for matt ryan this year um so that group stand together and james winston joins the illustrious 30 touchdown 30 interception club that is just
1: him first, first and, off don't say casually james winston joined the 30 for 30 club that's just him please build that up to what it was and how he did it and how amazing it was
0: i just love how honest bruce arians is have you read some of the comments he's just made in like the last 48 hours about Jameis?
1: literally just got done saying today oh yeah can i win with another quarterback if i can win with him i can win with another right
0: like and he's like he's just either amazing and Jameis had a He had a ridiculous touchdown throw in this game. Like, he had one where, like, Jameis, he... Like, it's just insane to me how just hot and cold he is and how just unbelievably talented he can be with some of these throws and also just how idiotic he can be with so many other throws. And Eli used to do this in his prime, but, like, not to this extent. And I don't think he has Eli ever had the arm talent that Jameis has. But... Good God, that pick six in overtime was just unbelievable. I so
1: th- that's When people, point, I was eh? watching
0: this game with other Falcons fans and I was pointing out at them because the Falcons got up early and it was like, oh no, what, what are we doing? Why are people like, yeah, this is this is fine. And I was like, no, this is not how this works against Jameis Winston. Um, he, for whatever reason, owns the Falcons. And I just, going throughout this, this entire game, I kept waiting for the bottom to fall out and Jameis to really ride off into... The sunset on a high note and finishing eight and eight and getting the team to 500 and all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, nope, Jameis actually could not pull it off and lost to the Falcons at home. There's it, Jameis was unbelievable in this game. And I would watch Jameis Winston play football for the rest of his prime. He needs to be a starter in this league forever because it is just unbelievable entertainment that I am absolutely here for.
1: Yeah. So that's. James bad Winston, for our country,
0: but this is tremendous content.
1: James Winston, obviously, you know, he did have a decent game yesterday when it comes to pure stats. But what I think is beautiful and kind of what I was pointing to earlier, he needed one more interception to get his 30 for 30, right? He ended up having like 32 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. But the very last play of the game, he threw an interception – to lose the game to get his 30 interceptions on the last play of the game in overtime. It's the most Jameis thing on earth. He scored 22 points in the
0: second quarter and they didn't score again the rest of the game.
1: He's an interesting guy, but like, I feel like when you think about Brett Favre and you're like, oh, Brett Favre, you know, he threw a lot of interceptions too. I feel like people want to, to gravitate Jameis towards that, like, oh, yeah. But, like, Jameis is just – he is, like, the far end of the spectrum of that. Like, he will not stop throwing the ball no matter what, and it works a lot of the time, especially when he has really talented receivers. Mike Evans is probably going to end up a Hall of Fame receiver. He's very, very good. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of talent around him. Rosarians is a very good offensive coach. So – what a way to go out! I mean, how like, many
0: sacks do you think Matt Ryan had in this game?
1: I think what was it like five, six times? Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He threw the ball fifty-one times in this game. Do you know how many What's... times Jameis Winston threw the ball in this game?
1: Sixty-three. Uh, Twenty-four. Are you kidding me? No. Wait, hold on. Twenty-four. That means
0: he doubled Eight? him in attempts.
1: Wow. No, I know, but like...
0: Dirk Cutter's got to go. I'm okay like with the Quinn stuff, whatever. Dimitrov, whatever. Dirk Cutter in this offense is not good. You have to change coordinators. He is going to get Matt Ryan killed. That is how this plays out. You've invested way too much in the remainder of Matt Ryan's prime to keep running this offense. This offense is going to get Matt Ryan killed.
1: Yeah, it's honestly, it's a shame. And that's kind of my big issue, that they're like, oh, no, we're going to bring Dan Quinn back. Fine. But Dirk Cotter, there's no reason to just, oh, yeah, no, he's coming back, too.
0: This offense is bad. Like the, like, the It's really just having enough talent to make it okay. I just um, can't
1: imagine. So, real quick, you don't have to go deep into this. Are they going to draft a running back next year? No. I mean,
0: I guess, I don't care if it's like their fifth round on, but... Right, but
1: Devontae Freeman's going to be there for quite some time, yeah.
0: So Uh, I don't think he's he's a definite on the roster next year. Also, got to do this because it's part of my brand. My guy, Gage. Love that dude. All in. Calvin Ridley's injury sucks, but giving this dude more opportunities, love that guy. He is a very good receiver that I'm excited to see continue to develop. All about the Russell, Russell Gage experience in Atlanta right now. And Bleedy Ray Wilson, obviously.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, don't for, shout out to you know. I honestly think Bleedy Ray Wilson has been the MVP of this podcast since I yeah. joined. The Falcons
0: had the 17th offensive DVOA this season. Like they fired Sark, and the way Falcons fans talked about Sark, I just Dirk Cutter's gotten a pass this year, and I don't understand it. it. There's just too much talent for them to be the 17th best offense in football this year.
1: Yeah. By the way, I just like to say. um, it's not confirmed yet. Uh, you remember the the, the Panthers-Niners game? Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman, four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to join some of my good friends um, to go to that game, and the special fan section, they call it the gold mine. It's not, it's not confirmed yet, but I might be getting to go to the divisional playoff game, the first playoff game. The 49ers will play. Mm. and if that happens i'm going to lose my mind and my voice
0: all right well that'll be the last podcast so, appearance
1: for one every, thing I, the week I, before that i really wanted to talk to you about because we talked about Jameis and we talked about special moments for weird quarterbacks there was a very special moment for one of the weirdest quarterbacks this week who do you think i'm talking about
0: Oh, who are you talking about here? Because there was a lot of guys. Baker Mayfield tried to fight a fan. Yeah, um, that's,
1: that's, that is, it, it's something, but it ain't special. That was
0: special in my heart. Uh, Drew Locke is my favorite moment. I hope that's who you're talking
1: about. It's not. We'll get there too. Fitz Magic. <laughs> oh, okay. Fitz Magic. That's insane.
0: And they still fired their offensive coordinator the day after. I love that too.
1: The Dolphins beat the Patriots to knock them out of a first-round bye. And how did they do it? Because, of course, they attacked Stephen – there's Stephon Gilmore, arguably one of the best, if not the best cornerbacks in the game. He hasn't been playing great lately, but he's still one of the best, with Devontae Parker, Louisville legend. And he had over a hundred yards receiving. What happened?
0: Um what happened here? Well, Devontae Parker continued his just ridiculous season. Eight receptions, hundred and thirty seven yards, eleven targets. Albert Wilson was in this game. Like those two I I really liked last year, and they just passed the ball all around them. And uh you're not gonna believe this one, but uh the the Patriots do not have a lot of offensive skill
1: talent. No, I don't. Yeah, no. I mean, they never. They haven't in so long.
0: I think, but like it's bad watching think, him. We tweak. This is the worst it's ever
1: been. I feel like they drafted. Um, what is the receiver that they drafted from? Was ASU?
0: Ah, uh, yeah, Arizona State. Nikhil Harry.
1: Yeah, I drafted him a year early, mm-hmm. or a year too, a year too late. Like I feel like next year, Nikhil Harry would probably be pretty good if. Tom Brady's still his quarterback. Uh, But yeah, you know, Tom Brady is so good for so long that he's been overachieving with all these people. You know, these James Whites, these Rex Burkheads, right? Uh, It's incredible. And I think we're starting to see that if Brady's not Brady, those players aren't going to do what they normally do.
0: Which is fine. He's 42. It's, it's fine he it's okay for him to need a little bit more help than he he has used to need he's the best quarterback of all time like i do wonder sometimes when you're watching that game yesterday like if ab never gets cut it, is this offense different are we talking about this team entirely differently do they still have some new they still have these guys is julian edelman open a lot more because he's not getting triple team because ab's there like i think about that a lot or what if gronk is still there for one more year do we think about it in a different context? Like I, they went 12 and four and it feels like the patch just went seven and nine. Do they go 13 and three, 14 and two? If AB stays on this season?
1: Well now, so you have to understand the Patriots had a very easy schedule this year, as did the 49ers. I think, you know, in the first half, they obviously had gauntlet at the end as did the Seahawks. Patriots had probably, I think it was like top three easiest strength to schedule from the majority of the season, at least. Uh, I stopped tracking it towards the end, but you know, their defense looked great, but their defense was playing some scrubs, saw what that looks like. Um, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how the Patriots do in the playoffs because, you know, we got to remember last year, the Patriots were done the year before that the Patriots were done. So it wouldn't surprise me for Brady to go lights out nuts one more time in the playoffs, but. It would surprise me this year. I do think that he's got a little bit. of I mean, the AFC defenses this year are no joke. The Ravens, their defense is incredible. Tyron Matthew might be one of the best free agent signings in a long time when it comes to defenses. That chief defense is completely transformed.
0: Remember when the Texans almost beat the Pats a couple years ago in the playoffs? Yeah. That's what that Titans-Pats game has
1: me feeling like. Yeah, you know, I legitimately think that the Titans will have a very strong chance. They have the lowest Super Bowl odds of anyone in the playoffs right now. Do you see that?
0: Yeah, I mean... That's fucking crazy to me. Have you been watching the Titans? How did the Bills and the Vikings have better championship odds than the Titans?
1: Well... The Bills have a very good defense. The Bills they, are losing
0: on Saturday at 430, and they should not be allowed in. They should not be allowed in. I just... It's awful that we're having to get Bills Texans on Saturday afternoon.
1: Well, yeah. No, I won't, I, mean, I mean, I don't disagree. The Bills are very interesting. Um,
0: Put in I, the Broncos. Give me Drew Locke. No, Give me Drew Locke. God, That's no. what I want.
1: God, no. The Bills are going to be a very fun playoff team to watch. I think that if they do lose it will at least be entertaining so i'm not going to you know i don't
0: you think it's going to be entertaining i think this game is going 17 to 9 texans i mean we'll get there in a second but
1: texans no. have had some games this year where they did not show up so i don't i'm not going to just hand this to the texans the texans have won some oh you very, can
0: hand it lock it in it's my lock of the week uh, I, th- it's my lock of the week there's not it's a, a done of, deal
1: there's not a there's not a lot of games to lock so i'm not going to judge you but <laughs> I got to say that the Texans have absolutely not shown up in certain games. So do I think they're going to lose? No, I don't. But I absolutely think it's the playoffs. Once a year, the NFL playoffs happen and weird things happen.
0: Josh Allen does not beat Deshaun Watson. That does not happen
1: in a playoff game. Of course, Josh Allen doesn't beat. But, you know... Deshaun Watson has to go up against a very strong defense and a very sure. strong front seven. And how does Josh? How does Deshaun Watson go up against very strong front sevens? It's not always perfect, you know. Like I, like I said, I think Lamar has had this like upper echelon year where he's like untouchable, and I think Deshaun kind of had that year when he was coming out as a rookie. And I know that obviously Patrick Mahomes did, but as far as I'm concerned, right now I'm I'm taking uh i want to say lamar as as far as in the playoffs quarterbacks in the in in this league i'm going to say lamar patrick i don't know that i'm going to take deshaun over jimmy
0: That's, do you oh yeah i'm i'm taking deshaun over jimmy without question
1: i jimmy's shown more i don't know i mean jimmy's third down completions uh, maybe if you not. gave True
0: Serum to Kyle Shanahan and it was a one for one swap, straight up, Jimmy, do Garral, you think you would take? You think he would take Jimmy Everett to Sean Watson?
1: Trading? No, because I th- I think I think probably if it was yeah, a clear one for one swap. I think I would probably, but the I mean the beauty of it is they both told, tore their ACL. They're both young, so yeah. I don't think that Deshaun is worse than Jimmy. I think that J- Jimmy's got a much better system and he's got a lot of really good weapons. Um so but my point is is like my the whole reason I was saying behind that is Deshaun is doing well. He's played, you know, he's had a good year, but he's not like I don't think he's that god tier that he could have been when before he got injured. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. So Black Monday, who was your biggest surprise firing in I mean, the, the last
1: 24 hours? When you just talked about it. The all, Dolphins offensive coordinator. That was surprising. Their offense sucked all year long. Like, I know, it, but he yeah. came from the Patriots. The Dolphins have a lot. I mean, they were, they were supposed to be the number one overall pick. They got rid of all their good players. Like, the, you know, to me, losing the players you have lose, trading away the players you traded, having Ryan Fitzpatrick be your starting quarterback, I'm not firing the offensive coordinator during this year. I'm giving him one more year at least. So that was my biggest surprise. But I got to say, if I'm really being honest with myself, the biggest surprise is that Bruce Allen got fired from the Redskins.
0: Yeah. He not because like the, he didn't uh, deserve it. Right. He just had that uh, Steve Mills in New York thing where it was like, that dude just, he has it in with the owner and that guy's is just, he, he's going to be there for life. He's a Washington lifer. And uh, he got relieved finally. And it turns out sagging attendance and just low confidence and just a very boring-ass style of football can finally sack you. Um, and Ron Rivera expected to get the job already. With no GM in place, they're hiring Ron Rivera. So that seems like the proper order of doing things.
1: Well, I think Ron Rivera is absolutely the kind of coach that will work with a good GM or you know work with a GM no matter what. I don't think he's a very you know, conflicting kind of individual. So I, I don't have a problem with that. And I will say the Redskins have been a dumpster fire forever. So Ron Rivera, I think, is a very well-liked, respected coach and a strong presence in the locker room. I think it's a layup when you go, we have been a dumpster fire forever. And I don't – I can't even name the last four Redskins head coaches. Like, I honestly, I can't. Like, other than since Mike Shanahan – you know what I'm saying like it's just they 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 they're so not only do they not matter not only are they not interesting to follow but like they they're also just been terrible so with a guy like you know Ron Rivera I think you go okay we've got some good places we've got some good pieces in place um Dwayne Haskins great
0: pass rush they have a bunch of talent there
1: a bunch, a bunch, of, bunch of, talent. of talent they have Terry McLaurin um their the pass rush is great mess.
0: The Trent Williams situation nasty. they got to address that. They have maybe the best rookie wide receiver in football this year in Terry McLaurin. That's big. Darius guy um, if, if he can stay healthy, stay is healthy. awesome. Dwayne Haskins has been sneaky good the last three weeks. If you look at his numbers, he's been much better. Um, but we'll have to see how he works with uh, front office um, GM now. But that's, uh, my point.
1: that's my point now. That's my point, though. Ron Rivera is a stable individual and... The Redskins have been been shaking like they're in uh, you know uh, an 8.0 earthquake for a solid 20 years. So give them some stability. Riverboat Ron is going to come in there and bitch slap everyone into submission. Let him do his thing. And you know what? Honestly, like Dwayne Haskins I think is a very talented quarterback. And if he has good pieces, which you've got somewhat of a semblance, I, I, I don't know. I mean – I don't know why they didn't. Trade I think Trent I think Williams he's gonna be this good. year. I still think he's gonna be good. I think they need to trade Trent Williams. Period. Yep. They need to the to, Falcons. Where, sure. Why? Why not? Wherever. Um. But yeah, I think they need. They they've got some pieces to figure out. You know, I want to hate the the Redskins because that name is awful, and Dan Snyder's a, a horrible human being. But like, I feel bad for those fans, even though they're they just won a uh, World Series, the Nationals. Um but yeah, I mean, I feel bad for him. So I hope that they can figure it out.
0: Adrian Peterson, how many yards per carry would you guess he had this week against the Cowboys and their send off?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know the actual answer. Uh, I'm more so going off your tone of voice. Um, it is the Cowboys. So I'm going to say that he averaged 5.7 yards per carry. Holy shit.
0: Really, really close. 6.0. Yeah. So, um, the legend I'm, continues.
1: I'm 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 baffled. I can't believe AP is still going. Um, but at the same time, it's AP, so it's not surprising that if you get you know give him an opportunity, Frank Gore is still going. Frank Gore is going to be in the playoffs. By the way, so you watch your damn mouth when you talk about the Bills. <laughs>
0: sure. Well, looking forward to his Marshawn Lynch esque effort uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, what do you think is the best available job right now? the best available head coaching job? Is it the Giants? Is it the Jags eventually? Is it uh, the Panthers?
1: So personally speaking, I think it's the Browns. Mm. But but I also think the Giants have a very good situation, but I still think it's the Browns. I think when you look at all of the pieces and all of the talent – They talked – some people on Twitter kind of talked about David Njoku uh, getting cut. I think that's insanity. He was insane at Miami. He needs – if he's healthy, give him the ball. But when you look at it, if you have Jarvis Landry, you have Odell Beckham Jr., if you have a healthy David Njoku, (laughs) their running back, Nick Chubb, is one of the best running backs in the entire NFL, right? And then you look at other pieces. Their linebacker group is good. Their cornerbacks, young stars. Like they have so much going on and I'm – you know, I think it's just a testament to how absolutely terrible Freddie Kitchens is. I mean the beginning of the year, they literally said this guy – we don't we don't respect this guy. So here, here we go. Not surprising he's fired. I think if I'm Mike McCarthy – I'm surprised Ron Rivera didn't even interview there. But like if I'm a head coaching person – you know – Lincoln Riley, man, if you really want to go to the NFL, if that's even remotely in your mind, unless you know something about Baker that we don't, I'm going to go coach your old quarterback with all of this talent around him. If you're Lincoln Riley, you have the chance to coach Odell Beckham Jr. I don't understand why he's not – I don't know. So it depends on what coaches are available, but to me – If someone can go in there and really be a good presence that demands and commands respect, I think the Browns for sure. What about you?
0: There's a couple jobs that still might open up that I have penciled in as like, if that job opens up, that would be my pick. Like the chargers, I think is a sneaky, interesting one because I don't
1: think they're getting rid of them though.
0: Going into a new stadium, they already fired their OC. They looked bad towards the end of the season, but they have just, so much damn talent everywhere outside of the offensive line that like, I still think that is, if you're a head coach and you can get it, it depends on what they do with the quarterback spot next year. Um, I would probably roll over with Tyrod and then draft the quarterback um, in the first or second round and see what happens. But that the AFC West is obviously going through some tough times. I, I looked at division. So that's why I like the AFC South jobs would be interesting to me. Like the Jaguars job. Like I think that's not as bad as people think. I think there's still a lot of talent there. Um, we'll have to see what happens. I love DJ Chark. I like a lot of those guys. Leonard Fournette had a great year. I don't think I. You just have to look at it as a whole, like the organization, like the Redskins. That stay away from the Browns. Jimmy Did Haslam just s- seems like a shit owner to work for. Did the you see what Giants? Yannick's I'm not saying? a big Daniel Jones guy, so like I don't think I want to lock in Daniel Jones for the next ten years. The Cowboys, I think, is a great job independent of everything other than their roster. <laughs> so I don't know. I I, well, yeah, I think Cowboys, Cowboys are also a very right strong. Team.
1: I think it might go Cowboys. Still. You know who I'm I I'm telling you, you don't believe me, but I'm saying sneaky under the radar, Seattle Seahawks. That, that there's no chance. I'm I'm telling you, he might retire. I'm not saying he'll get fired, but I am saying that there might come a point where he just goes, They figured it out. I can't do this. I'm tired of like losing big games. I'm tired of not making it again. We haven't done anything since that Super Bowl run. All he has no, to do is
0: fire I, Brian Schottenheimer.
1: That's it. but he but he had so he's had how many offensive coordinators?
0: I mean, it's just been him and Daryl Bevel.
1: I'm telling you Bevel man. was
0: there for like 37 years.
1: I'm telling you there is I'm not, time to bring Jim a, Bob uh, Cooter
0: to the Northwest.: Oh
1: God. I'm not I'm not you know like I said I'm not I'm not locking it in by any means but I do think there's a very realistic chance that Pete Carroll might be done this year and I just wanted to be known that I was the first person to say it
0: there you go if AB signs with New Orleans how worried are you about how you match up with New Orleans on the road in San Francisco
1: well he can't sign this year so I'm not worried about that yeah going forward Um,
0: that was another dumb sports story we had, uh, this past week.
1: And once again, Marshawn Lynch to anyone that doesn't understand, uh, I grew up with someone very close to me that was bipolar, manic, depressive, um, bipolar in itself is a very interesting mental disorder and it kind of, you know, warps the mind in an interesting way and an unfortunate way. But the manic side of it is. Something I'm very familiar with, it, once you are around someone that's bipolar manic and you see those manic episodes, you'll see them in every single bipolar manic person ever again. Kanye West, very notably bipolar manic. Uh, he talks about how he got fat. It's because he took uh, was it, um, lithium, which is what you're supposed to take. Um, that's what's going on right now with AB. Uh, the, the music video where he's playing the guitar, he doesn't know how to play. Uh, the Instagram live stuff. uh, If you find anyone that's bipolar, manic, depressive, that's what they do. They think that they're able to do all these crazy things. They say crazy things. They go do crazy things. The only difference is Antonio Brown's got the money to do everything. So whereas someone who's manic would be like, Oh, I'm going to go shoot a music video and then have no resources to do that. He really does. So I think, you know, maybe New Orleans goes, hey, it's Antonio Brown. We gotta at least bring him in for a visit. Sure. But then no, obviously, he brings a camera crew, right? He's Instagram living the whole thing, taking photos of the of the agreement, you know, whatever, the the waiver. I don't think anyone's gonna sign him. I think he's gonna have to go get mental help, start taking medication. And maybe he gets signed next year. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's really I, it, sad. Yeah, because he's just too good to not be playing football in the NFL. Um, but the good news is Richie Incognito, one of my favorite stories of the year. Who could not be rooting for Richie Incognito? Got a two-year extension because the Raiders offensive line is good now.
1: Also, another guy that probably had something similar like that happen to him when he was in that gym and threatened to kill people or whatever. Jesus. Uh um, yeah. It's good to see – and that's my point. It's good to see people like that get the help that they need and then do something with it. I think Richie Incognito is a guy that desperately needed some help, went out, wasn't afraid to get it, and, yeah, just doing good now. All
0: right. Let's let's wrap up with this weekend's games. We got to wrap up with this. I'm excited. I'm excited for Saturday NFL because Saturday NFL is a very nice, very good thing in my opinion. Um, I think you agree. Saturday football, actually good. Um, you talked up the Bills a little bit. You're buying the Kool Aid. You're just you're all in on the Josh Brown deep ball uh, to upend the Texans on the road in Week One on Saturday or Week uh, One of the playoffs. So I'm, st- I'm still taking the Texans. Okay, good. Because I would never let li- you live that down for taking. The no,
1: I'm still the taking playoffs. the Texans, but I will say that I think the Bills are going to have. I think it's you know. Their first real playoff game, I think they snuck into the playoffs before and it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but I do think this is the most competitive they'll, they've ever been in a playoff contention. They show up.
0: Patriots hosting the Titans on Saturday night. I'm so damn excited for this game. I, wow. ooh, this is going to be tough. I've wanted to say Titans all day. Deep down. Deep, deep in there somewhere. Because my mind is just telling me, Titans, Titans, Titans. Everything about this matchup, Titans. I Until the Pats do it. Until they actually lose a game like this in round one. They haven't had to play in round one in ten years. I'm taking the Pats, but oh my god. I, I, I think there is a very real possibility the Titans win big here.
1: So personally, my my best friend, growing up, my basically one of my oldest, you know, my best friend, uh, is a huge Titans fan. Steve McNair back in the day. Obviously, you know, we both uh, went to the community college over by the University of Oregon. So we're Duck fans. So Marcus Mariota was very excited when he was the quarterback there. He's a huge Titans fan. I'm a huge by Titans fan. By you know. You know, Two two degrees of separation, I root for the Titans when I'm not rooting for the 49ers. It's nice to have an AFC team. Uh, I think the thing you're going to watch this week is Bill Belichick's not going to let Stephen Gilmore do what happened last week with da- Devontae Parker, this week to A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown has a good game. I don't think he has the same crazy game. He might. I mean, he's been nuts lately, but... You know, it is Bill Belichick. It is the playoffs. I think they hone in on A.J. Brown. Um, I still think – I still think the the Titans are going to win this game. Mm. Derrick Henry has a great game. A.J. Brown might not get 120, but he'll probably get 75 and a touchdown
0: see I think he gets taken out of this game altogether. I think if they're tied in I, that's a big thing I
1: will not surprise I will not be surprised once again. I think you and I are on the same page as that. I think Bill Belichick is very good in the right in the games that matter at shutting people down mm. and this game matters so it'll give be me a part. Deion Lewis revenge game is he even playing I mean he's gotten like what like two snaps a game I know this is the time to bring him
0: out of his cage also Mike Brabel funny as hell love reading it like he's did you see where he was ma- caught mouthing i don't even know who the fuck you are
1: yeah he's sunday. like yeah no he goes yeah he goes i don't even know who the fuck you are who the fuck is this guy What's with <laughs>
0: buddy mike Vrabel is like tony soprano as a coach and it's it's great um nfc i don't know why they broke it up like this by putting the afc in both games on saturday and the nfc both games on sunday i would have rather them break broke it up a little bit um Saints at Vikings go ahead. I already locked up the Texans, but if I did not lock up the Texans, I would lock up the Saints here. Saints by thirty. There might be a lot of blowouts this weekend. My head
1: says Saints. My heart needs the Vikings to win because I don't want to be anywhere near the Saints in a playoff. Thank God they're not going to be playing at home. Thank God, thank you Packers. Um, but yeah, it's the Saints of are, are are a very dangerous team as. You know they have been for the last five years, so I think I think it's the Saints. But please, Kirk Cousins, shock the world.
0: Not going to happen. Um, but you know, great stuff from the Vikings. I think Mike Zimmer might be a sneaky firing guy after this loss. I think it's going to be bad. I think this is actually a really really bad showing for the Vikings here. I, I think this has all the makings of just a a, a Sunday drubbing where you're like, oh. Oh no. The Saints. They uh they've been just screwed twice back to back years. Just brutal endings to playoff games. And uh Drew Brees, we just don't know how much longer he has. You have Phil Rivers giving those really sad ass press conferences now and not sure where he's going and Eli very much probably going out to retire and um I don't know. It's just sad. Last game. You're not gonna believe this, but I went with another home team. I think the Eagles are winning at home. Seahawks. Going on the road and losing to an NFC East team in back to back seasons. You know, this sucks for you because you like you hate Carson Wentz and you hate Russell Wilson. You hate both of these teams. I so. don't
1: hate Carson Wentz. I don't have strong feelings for Carson Wentz. I just so think- have you seen the he should deserve
0: MVP love this year stuff in the last couple weeks? Yeah, you no. in your mind about that.
1: Carson Wentz does not deserve the MVP. I can think of 10 people that deserve it more than him. I think Nick, just the Nick amount of Bosa, dudes that are just Nick gone. Bosa deserves the MVP more – I mean this – more than Carson Wentz. Mm. And that's I, – I I I, I I I could argue that for days. Uh, But I'm going to take the Eagles. I don't think the Seahawks will be lucky enough to have a de- defense play them the same way that uh, the 49ers did and – Yeah, you know, the Seahawks aren't the same on the road. It'll take a lot of Russell Wilson magic to happen.
0: Yep. We're on the same page, but it's going to be fun. I'm excited. This is going to be a great weekend of football. I'm glad the playoffs are here. NFL playoffs are a very, very good thing. Um, All right. Evan Sowards. it's always a pleasure. We will be back next Monday. I'm talking about uh, the Seahawks missing... uh, Round two, once again.
1: I'm going to be very excited to talk to you next Monday, knowing that my team is still in the playoffs and the Seahawks are not. I will leave you all with a very fun, very interesting fact. Emmanuel Sanders (laughs) is the only wide receiver in NFL uh, history to catch a pass in 17 football games. Huh. Yeah, fun facts. Enjoy your night, man. I will talk to you next week.
0: All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash chase Thomas writer. Um, for as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Double underscore Thomas. You could go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front so if you're not tired of listening to me you can also read me um so that's awesome but uh i think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode Uh, i hope you continue listening that would be great and uh i will talk to you all again very soon thanks guys
1: nicely done nephew